another Sunday night fan phone in show with me, Stato Jew, and the Enigma Luke Sherwin. She the problem with Arsenal is they try to walk the ball back of the net. Thanks for having me on again. No problem. Um, obviously, it's been a quite a dramatic weekend of, of football stuff. I don't even know what to say, to be honest. I'm speechless after what I saw two hours ago. I'm still recovering from the scenes that were that header, but we're going to talk about that a bit later on. We can only start at one place, and that is that tonight is a fan phone-in show. You thought I was going to say about the FA Cup. Oh, no, no. Tonight's a fan phone-in show, so if you have any opinions about football or any questions for us that you want answered, then simply click the link that will be in both chats, both Facebook and YouTube. You're more than welcome to come on. Please be nice to us. Please keep your language PG, all that good stuff. Um, But now we can start with the footballing news. Look, talk us through the FA Cup final yesterday. Well, to Leicester City won the FA Cup. Who saw that coming? Who Not saw that coming? I certainly didn't. I expected Chelsea to win relatively comfortably. Yesterday, Leicester and Chelsea played the FA Cup final at Wembley. What a joy it was to see fans back watching. Oh, it was so, so good. good. So many fans. Such a great time. The atmosphere was superb. The fans were clearly loving life. And two wonderful footballing teams went out there. And played a wonderfully average game of football, um, which was to be expected. <laughs> it was to be expected that the game wasn't going to be the thriller in Manila like we might have wanted it to be, but it was a a decent game. Leicester came away with a victory thanks to a superb goal by oh, Yuri Tielemans. He just bang one top bins. Fair play to the lad. He's a very good player. Good to see him getting appreciated. Good to see him doing well because he had crazy potential. It's nice to see that he's uh, starting to live up to that. I've always, always loved Tillemans. He's great. Me too. He's just superb. But do you know what got me more than anything? Nothing to do with the goal, to be honest. The way, the fact that when he scored the goal, the cameras were rocking because of the celebrations remember that that's only a quarter capacity yeah. Wembley Stadium, that's not even full, that's a quarter and the place was bouncing, you absolutely love to see it, I watched so I watched the game, I saw the game on BBC, so I saw that commentary, and then I watched the BT Sport highlights to get that commentary and yeah. honestly the, for me the BT Sport commentary of it was so much better than BBC's because yeah. Robbie Savage was like, ah, like the goal went in. <laughs> it was superb, and I, I like. I don't have any. I don't. I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't that I didn't care who won this game, but I don't have anything against either team. But I was delighted for Leicester. I really was. Brandon Rogers and Johnny Evans, two of our boys. You know, it was just so great to see. Um, and what a, what a goal to win a cup final as well. Like, oh, that's unreal. So good. So good. Absolutely. So, Joe, what you're telling me is that your, your Luke Sherwin slash Stato Joe man of the match performance came from the fans. So you're yeah. telling me? It was yeah. nice. Well, for me, my Luke Sherwin man of the match performance in the actual game of football was the fans as well. Yeah. yeah! 
<laughs> I actually, my favorite part of the whole thing was the celebration uh, that the Leicester owner had with the players afterwards. I don't know if you saw that, uh, those highlights after, but the Leicester owner, who obviously tragically had, um, you know, lost his dad in the helicopter crash and everything like that, um, surrounding Leicester, which was awful. And he's taken over and he has continued the support that the, the fans um, get from the owners and the players get from the owner as well. And the way he was being hugged by all the players and the way he was getting on with all the players, it was so nice to see in the midst of all of the, you know, European Super League stuff where owners are being shown to be impersonal, money-grabbing scoundrels is the word I'll use. And um, this was so touching to see a fan, a fan effectively as an owner who was loving life and all the players knew him and all the players loved him. The way he hugged Brendan Rodgers, ooh, tugged in the heartstrings. I also really loved, and this is the thing that we haven't seen this season because of there being no fans, but the fact that whenever the Chelsea goal was given offside, the Leicester fans celebrated like they just scored a goal. Absolutely. And it was like, oh, it was so, I don't know, just give you goosebumps, like watching it back even was just like, it's, you don't realise what you're missing until you like see it properly and the atmosphere was so good and of course you'd hope for that whenever there haven't been fans in, obviously, of course you would, but yeah, I think <laughs> just uh, just incredible stuff. Um and in a game of this magnitude, it was it was great because mm-hmm. the fans were so hyped up, the Leicester fans especially. They haven't been in this position in recent history in terms of cup finals. Obviously, they won the league. That was a more prolonged thing. But also, you might remember when Jamie Vardy scored that goal and there was a, a low-key earthquake registered because of how loud the fans were. Mm-hmm. Leicester fans are doing themselves proud by showing that they love this club and winning their first FA Cup in history. In their long history as a football club, it was great to see the fans there to celebrate with them. And I think that that distracted from what was, at times, a pretty poor game. I don't. I think I don't. I don't really mean to be judgy there, but like FA Cup finals aren't usually amazing game. Finals aren't usually amazing games anyway because both teams have so much to lose. Right? Usually in a final, you know, there's sometimes you have finals where there's teams there who have fluked their way there and they kind of have nothing to lose, right? They weren't expected to be there. They just want to go out and give it their best. But in this position, you had third against fourth in the Premier League. Um, and it was like almost you had everything to lose in that situation, right? And I think it was a cagey game. There weren't that many chances even in, in you know, going through the highlights again today just to refresh myself. There weren't really that many chances. Um, I mean, the, like... You, you know it's bad whenever in the highlights they're showing like blocked shots as chances. Do you know like that's yeah. you know, but Casper Schmeichel ultimately is nearly just as good or has like earned as much as my respect as Telemans did yesterday because that that save from Mason Mount's half volley was oh that was just unbelievable. Was not so good. It was like, lovely, but Casper Schmeichel, all things considered, only had three saves to make in the whole game. Mm. So fair play to him for staying alert enough to be able to save that so well. But three shots in the whole game from Chelsea. We saw a performance from Chelsea that was largely similar to the performance against Arsenal midweek. Performance mm. in which they dominated most of the game, had way more chances, and yet only had a three on target. The problem with Chelsea is 
they can't put the ball into the back of the net. You, they can't score a goal from open play. It seems. What's going on there? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I've just shared there the the screen for for stats because I want, I'm going to get into that. But just, I do remember noticing that with only th- you know three shots, there was only four shots on target in the whole game. Leicester had one shot on target. That was her goal. Um, yeah, I, t- I think it's it's clear or it certainly has been clear that Tuchel's job when he came in has been to really like keep the defence solid. Yeah. Um and I think that he hasn't I think when he whenever this season finishes and we get into pre season again, I think that's when we're gonna see a difference in the attack because when he was a PSG, PSG weren't a defensive side, right? It's yeah. you know it, they they weren't playing defensive football. His job has been to come in and really shore up that defensive mishaps or, or difficulties that they had that they had under Frank Lampard, and he's done that really well. To be fair to him, you can't you can't take it away from him. They only conceded yesterday because of an absolute screamer. You know, yeah. you're you're never really gonna go that was crap defending because it wasn't. Like sorry, it was good defending. It wasn't crap defending. That's what I mean. That was a double negative there. Yeah, um, but um. Like looking at the stats here, and I'll, I'll share the screen while we're kind of chatting about the stats and things. You can see that Chelsea really did kind of dominate the majority of the game, as expected. You know, Leicester were always going to sit back because they're the underdogs. They do not have, and I mean this with the greatest respects, they don't have they don't have an all star team, right? I think the stat was that their team was worth one hundred eighty million. I think that was the 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 thing they were putting out was that. Their eleven, their whole eleven, had cost one hundred eighty million, whereas Chelsea, like Werner, was what was he fifty million by himself, and Ziyech was close to that, and Kante, you know, so like Chelsea's team was much more expensive overall, and even the bench. So in terms of resources, Leicester didn't have anywhere near the level of resources that um, Chelsea have. So it was always going to be a one-sided game, right? It was that was always going to be the plan I think um, do you have any kind of thoughts on the way that both teams set up just looking at these formations here uh, yeah. on screen yeah Chelsea set up as everyone expected to with almost an identical formation as everyone expected them to although very surprised to see Marcos Alonso starting I thought that was a weird decision from, from Tuchel because I think Ben Chilwell as he showed when he came on would have been a much better player to play unless he had a wee knock or something just mm. keeping him from playing 90 minutes. Ben Chilwell, in my mind, start, starts this game all day, every day. Um, mm. Picking Kepa was nice because it was consistent, and maybe that was the same with um, with Marcus Alonso. That mm-hmm. It was a cup thing, but all in all, I, I don't think it was very good. I don't think it was a wise decision from Tuchel. Yes, it's nice, but he's there to win matches, not you know give favour to these players like Kepa, who's been... Pretty dreadful, all things considered. Especially mm-hmm. considering Kevin played against Arsenal. I, I don't get it. Um, mm-hmm. Reese James and Azpilicueta playing works sometimes, but when it doesn't, it looks a wee bit silly. Azpilicueta, though, is good as a centre-back. Um, but for a front three, they didn't show up. None of them showed up at all. All three of them were poor, which is sad because Mason Mount is so good. I just mm-hmm. wonder, should Pulisic have started instead of Ziyech? Probably. Hmm. Werner had to play, but I think Pulisic should have as well. 
And from a Leicester standpoint, we see a team in which we've discussed uh, a few times in the podcast, two strikers doesn't work for Leicester. Nope. It hasn't worked. They don't play well together. And mm-hmm. here we saw another example of that. Leicester did not play well in any um, in any way. By any stretch of the imagination, we cannot give Leicester credit for playing well in this game because no. they didn't. But they got no. the result, and ultimately that's all that matters. That's all that matters, yeah. But the way that they played was not nice. It was not stylish. It did, was not particularly effective at times in going forward, but defensively did their job. A super game from Wesley Fofana. You love to see it. Uh, gutted for Johnny Evans, you know, having to come off early. Um, but yeah, Leicester did their job. Um, one player who really disappointed me was Hinacho up front. Mm-hmm. Deserved his space, absolutely, by how he's been playing. But as they rightly mentioned on commentary, he looked like a player who'd been up all night dreaming or daydreaming about scoring the winning goal, naming headlines, you know, back uh, page of the papers. He was thinking about it. He was leggy. He was slow. What do you think, Jim? So uh, when I saw the Chelsea team, my first reaction was, they're playing a cup team? Um, I didn't think that was a full-strength 11. Um, They had stronger players on their bench. Um, And I was kind of surprised because... I thought, well, maybe they want to win the cup. And then I thought about it more, and I thought, actually, does Tuchel put more importance on Tuesday night's game uh, rather than the FA Cup final? Because that's ultimately just as big. Tuesday night's game is pretty much just as big as Sunday's game was. Um, Werner continues to disappoint. Um, I don't know if Mount had as bad a game as a 6.2, but... uh, yeah, I think the Leicester team was a standard Leicester team. As as a Newcastle fan, I you know delighted for Jose Perez went on the cup as well. To be honest, um, he was fantastic for us, and uh, delighted for him that he's gone and won a trophy. Because if you're a fan of any club that really don't produce a lot of you know you're, you're not winning things, if any of your great players go on to clubs and win a trophy, you're always going to be delighted for them. You know they went and found success, so that's. I'm I'm really pleased for him. Um, if we quickly look at the stats, just overall possession wise, as expected, Chelsea had sixty three percent of the ball, and they had double the shots that Leicester had, thirteen to six. Chelsea only managed three shots on target. Leicester only managed one, so that's particularly poor. But it's kind of a cup final stat. There aren't you really don't get that many shots on target in cup finals because the games are far too cagey. I think yeah. that's shown by, by blocked shots. You know, there's eight blocked shots out of 19. And I think that's kind of, that shows the caginess of the games. The, the, the defenders are very tight and they're preventing uh, shots from even reaching the goal. Um, apart from that, really, no big chances in the game. So that's really interesting. Not a single big chance. Um, and passing-wise, fairly decent from Chelsea, 85%. Leicester... KG, 74%. Disappointing, but they still won the game, so does anybody actually care? Probably not. Probably not. Um, to be expected as well, with the players that were playing, with Ndidi, Telemans and Perez as your three in midfield, you know, they're not master passers of the ball. Telemans has a great great mind on him, great vision, looking for killer passes over to Jamie Vardy, you know, more than looking for a simple one-two pass and building the stats up. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of the stats breakdown from that. Um, before we move on to the Premier League, do you have any final thoughts about this or what this means for 
for Leicester and Chelsea coming into Tuesday night's game or anything like that? I think it's a great achievement for Leicester. Like, no doubt their fans will be buzzing. No doubt they'll be loving life. Um, but Leicester probably will be the more tired team on Tuesday night. Mm. Chelsea have such good squad depth that they could rotate a few players. Ben Chilwell will come in. Mendy will come in. Um, maybe Christensen might come in. And then attack-wise, Pulisic could come in. And they've got a lot of fresh legs that they can use. Um, I think Chelsea have a slight advantage in that sense. But Leicester have heart, as always. And they will <laughs> fight and fight to the very end. I do expect Chelsea to win, which will probably mean that Chelsea and Leicester will stay in the top four, which I'm not complaining about. I know you won't be, but mm. um, we will see. So that's this is where it's interesting. So, so I also agree. I think Chelsea will win. However, because Liverpool won today, if they win this week on Wednesday, they'll have the same number of points as Leicester with a greater goal difference. So Leicester will be fifth and Liverpool will be in the top four. So actually, the only result that sees Leicester and Chelsea potentially stay in in the top four is a draw, um, just based on the points. In fact, that's not even true. No. Basically, because they play each other, Liverpool are actually in pole position, right? Because they, they just need to win. They just need to win both their games. And it's Burnley and Palace. Easier to and we'll talk about that when we talk about the West Brom game. But I think actually Liverpool are almost in a better position than Chelsea and Leicester are at the minute uh, with top four. For me, I think that Leicester will be tired emotionally, physically going into the game because on Tuesday night, just because they beat United on Tuesday, which was a massive win. And then they won the FA Cup on Saturday. And then they have to go and play Chelsea again on Tuesday. And Tuchel will be having none of it. So I I can't see any result other than a Chelsea win. We'd like to be pleasantly surprised, but yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts. Leicester might be hyped up, though. They know they can beat Chelsea. They know they can mm-hmm. sit back and counter-attack and potentially get a goal in that capacity. They know that a victory is possible in a one-off game. And so they'll go in thinking that, whether they can just get their legs to do that. Is another question, but I am mm. hopeful um, that it'll be a good game nonetheless. I would like a better game than, than yesterday, um, a more exciting game, but a game that is, yeah, close. Um, and then that brings us on nicely, really, into today's game because with top four ramifications, Liverpool travel to already relegated West Brom, who have nothing to play for, so therefore, usually the teams that have nothing to play for tend to play better because they don't have the shackles of the pressure, so it's always going to be a tough game. Um, and as the headline says here, a late Allison header gives Liverpool hope. Yes, you're reading that correctly. Um, Liverpool's goalkeeper Allison, if you've somehow missed the news, scored a 95th minute he- winning header in a game that ultimately, yes, Liverpool deserved to win, but showed again that they really, really struggle whenever teams sit back uh, and allow them to come at them. Um, I, don't, I would be, see if I was a Liverpool fan, I, I would have lost my head watching that game today. I really would have. They're, they're, the front three are so frustrating. I would argue 
that Liverpool didn't deserve to win this game. <laughs> Ooh. Because I personally think West Brom should have been 2-1 up. Yeah. Because that VAR decision was questionable. <laughs> questionable yeah. to say the least. It was, yes, by the letter of the law, potentially the correct decision, but also probably not the, the right decision. Um, mm -hmm. I thought Liverpool, yeah, had lots of the ball. They did Liverpool things. They passed it around. They played boring football. And they made a few chances. They had a lot of shots, yes, but you know they had twenty shots not on target. Yeah, <laughs> they might be they might be off target. They might be blocked. I don't care what it is. But when your team has twenty shots off target, that's shocking. That is so so poor. Twenty. <laughs> that's like how many certain teams get in like three or four games. Yeah, really bad. And so I thought Liverpool. Yeah, they dominated the game largely, but West Brom, in my opinion, deserved to be two one up going into the last 10 minutes of this game. Yeah, I mean, fair. I think... So Liverpool, there was a couple of times... There was there was a chance in the first half. They played basically like 1-2 football past the defence, and Mane hit it wide. Um, Trent had a great chance where he cut in on his left foot and then skied it when he just had, just had to pass it into the net. There's just... I don't know. I... It's such a weird thing because, like, again, I come back to the statement I said on Thursday where if you're not beating these teams, you don't deserve Champions League football. And yeah. I actually heard a Liverpool fan say that today, so I felt okay about saying that out loud because there was Liverpool fans saying that. But, you know, I think we'd be talking very differently if this had been a 1-1 draw. And I think we can't take away from the fact that Liverpool's goalkeeper has, like, is more clinical than their front three. <laughs> when it comes to shots. Um, an unbelievable header, by the way. Like Not even just like, oh, the keeper scored. He scored a fantastic header that anybody would be proud of. Like any defender, striker, midfielder, anybody would be proud of that header. Like that was just... Absolutely. Technique. It was so a great ball in by Trent. And then yeah. a great header by Alisson. Um, really liked his wee interview at the end, just chatting through what he was thinking. Nobody really beckoned him up, but then, then he got the call last minute with conviction, as he says. He yeah. ran up and he was ready. But West Brom didn't mark him. I think the pa players almost panicked. They were like, there's another player here. We haven't accounted for this guy. Nobody's man marking him. But they probably should have, and they gave him so much free space. I would have laughed so hard if, if Matt Phillips had have actually got connection on, on the ball and it had have just gone wide like it would have done. He was so close to hitting the ball. Mm. Well, hey, what a goal by Alisson. Fair play to the guy. Lovely to see his first career goal. Now he's on track, you know, to beat Brad Friedel or whatever for record mm. Premier League goals. Yeah, it was it was a weird game. So I, I had it on while I was studying today, just kind of on the background. Um, and, like, Liverpool, and the stats would say Liverpool had, like, 76% possession or something stupid. It was ridiculous. And... I've talked about this multiple times, not just in the podcast, but on any previous YouTube videos that I've done about how I started this page at the very start of January. The first game I covered was Southampton beating Liverpool 1-0. And I said then, and that was the first video I think I ever did, I said that I noticed straight away that when Liverpool play teams that sit back, right, happy to park the bus, 
they really, really struggled to break those teams down. And that's got, and I'm, I'm serious, that's got nothing to do with your injured centre-backs, right? That's a lack of, there's like, something's not clicking up front, something's not there, and um, it's strange because this isn't me ragging on Liverpool because it's Liverpool. Um, I, this is like, it'd be like the same as any team, you know, there's other teams who are just as poor up front as, as Liverpool have been this season, but uh, with just it's just strange that when they went on that really horrendous run and they lost to Fulham and, and Brighton and Burnley, the reason they lost to those teams was because those teams just sat back and and were like, "Well, you're crap up front, so come on and you know try it, try it. You know you're rubbish." So it's interesting when you were saying about their shots, twenty six shots a goal and only six on target. Um, is appalling, um, really, and you know I think West Brom have a, had a better shot on target rate than that, didn't they? Um, yeah, no, well. three shots on target yeah. from ten shots, so that is a better, not a still rubbish, but it's a better rate than than Liverpool's. I think um, Liverpool's issue is that they have one way of attacking, and they know how to do that really, really well. Mm-hmm. But when they can't do that, they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. You you saw it briefly actually for Salah's goal, which is ironic in me saying this, but for Salah's goal it epitomised everything that Liverpool cannot do when attacking. <laughs> Mane tried to play intricate intricate play with Firmino, but pinged it far too hard at him. Firmino mm-hmm. miscontrolled it, went to a West Brom player. West Brom player then plays a terrible ball, and Mane is able to nip in. And lay it kind of just to Salah, who scores an absolute worldie. A goal that was unexpected, but a goal with so much quality. And that, for me, epitomised everything Liverpool can't do. They can't pass it around the box with their front three. Because technically, the three of them just aren't good enough. Their vision isn't good enough and everything like that. They need to get better at that to add some variety into their attack. So that they can, you know, change what they're going to do whenever they come up against a team like this. that's going to sit back. And just hoof the ball away. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fair, fair observation. Um, I just it's it's weird. It's it's a strange. Obviously, it's a strange season. You know, here we go, flipping pundit here. So it's a strange season. Um, but you know, I think all Liverpool fans are have high hopes for next season. And I think that's totally fair because I think with their their players coming back, they're going to have their full starting eleven. Um, and you know, Salah Salah seems to only score great goals, um, <laughs> which great is so, so weird, isn't it? Like he only scores good. Goals. Myself, to be fair. Well, that's true, but we didn't want. I didn't want to, you know, inflate your ego too much here. You know. Um, Sam Curry says uh, he agrees with you, Luke, which is nice that people finally agree with you after Thursday night's mess. Um, front three are excellent for counter-attack, but not really for tiki-taka consistently in the box. Agreed. There was there was some good interplay at times, uh, but that's so true. Another point I want to bring up just, just before we move on. Um, United afforded Liverpool a lot of space on Thursday night. And we saw glimpses of the old Liverpool uh, in that game, and it's what you went you back went back to saying about, um, you know, they have that that one style of play that they know and love, 
that they're really, really good at. Uh, and I think that's been the problem as well with uh, their squad. They're on, you know, their squad depth isn't enough. They have those one set of eleven players that they know and love, and then outside of that, they don't have that same impact. Um, but yeah, the next two games will be interesting because they play Burnley next. And I'll tell you right now, Burnley will be sitting as deep in their eighteen-yard box as possible because they want to try and get an, another win over them. You know, I think Except everybody Burnley will try to have Chris Wood. That's a big issue. Like they have a yeah. player who actually is going to challenge those two-week centre backs, mm. and he will, you know, be physical with them. He'll be looking for big balls over the top. He'll be he'll be loving life against those two centre backs. Um, and so Burnley, you know, will intrigue me because yes, they were awful against the Leeds team who are mm. unpredictable, but against a team like Liverpool, who are very predictable at times, I think Burnley will sit back and frustrate their life out of Liverpool. And Sam's mentioned Firmino here. He says Firmino is the only one that has good ball control um, and flair in the box. Uh, one isn't enough scared for Burnley, but um, I'm not really sure what that means in English. But, uh, it means one of the three being good. With, oh, with isn't enough. Isn't okay. enough. Full stop. Scared for Burnley. Sorry. Yes, fair. But I actually saw a lot of people criticizing Firmino today because they felt that he gave the ball away too much. Um, I mean, I, I personally feel like Firmino would be better at camp or at that in that position than uh, a forward. Um, but here we are. You know, it's a system that Klopp knows and loves, and uh, yeah. it does look very much. Like, uh, like Champions League is, is coming forward. <laughs> uh, Sam says I'm making a good teacher with that terrible grammar. Sam, we believe in you. Uh, we know you'll do a great job. Uh, just learn to get good at grammar. Um, so carrying on from that, then, and you know, a lot of the games, you know, there's not much to play for anymore, really. Unless you're in that top four battle, you're just kind of playing games for the fun of it. And we saw that on Friday night. But Mad said he had already won the league, travelled to Newcastle, and the two two just thought, you know what, let's let's just have a let's just, you know, enjoy ourselves. You know, let's let's just let's just enjoy life. Um Newcastle, first of all, have scored seven goals in the last two games, which I can't remember a time in my life that's happened. Um let's let's forget that we lost four three. Let's focus on the fact that we scored three goals. Um Yeah, I the the, the shock is still in my system, as Undisputed Era would say. And uh, <laughs> it's. I wasn't disappointed by the result because I never thought we'd even get a result against City. So I was really surprised to see the way that Newcastle approached the game. Um, you know, they, they took it to them. And I know it was, a, it was like a Man City seconds and thirds team, but that's not really the point. Look, it wasn't really, though. It was a decent enough Man City team. Apart from their two centre backs, you know, other than that, it's pretty strong. Newcastle played like they played like a team. Newcastle who knew they were safe. Yeah, I'm sure that was refreshing to see. They knew that they weren't going to get relegated anymore. The pressure, as you said earlier, with teams that are already relegated, the same applied here. And Newcastle Mm -hmm. played like a team. They're like, let's give this a go. Why not? Like we could sit back and lose four nil. We could sit back and and get a nil nil draw. Where's the fun in that? These are footballers who love playing football. They enjoy what they're doing. And here I thought they showed that quite well. Joel Linton was even getting in on the action. Do you know? The only players who played terribly were, you know, Fernandez at the back was awful. Um and Dubravka wasn't great either. 
Um, from a city standpoint, I think it's concerning. Looking at Nathan Ake, how, how poor he's been in the last few games that he's played. You know, he hasn't been a good defender in either of those games. It will happen because he's not playing very much football and there's inconsistency there. But yeah, I, I feel for him. Sam makes a great point. And this is something I actually touched on Thursday night. He was saying that, Man, or maybe it was last Sunday, he said that Man City have the depth of two title contending teams. I said that last week about the Chelsea game. Like They played pretty much not long of the regular first 11. And I said they would beat most teams in the Premier League. Um, I've just looked at the stats. And actually, Sam says Newcastle. I so think Newcastle are impressive. Newcastle had, and I'm not joking, 17% of possession. 17%. I think that must be like a record low for the season. Um, they had 17% possession, but had 11 shots at goal. So, like, that's that's great. You know, at least if you're... This is the thing I've always had a problem with. And, you know, people are like, oh, Newcastle fans just get angry at Steve Bruce because it's Steve Bruce. My main issue with the way that we were playing was we would play that same possession game, but then when we had the ball, we'd be useless. And... A lot of the time, and I always bring up Jamal Lewis as an example because I knew him from both international and club football. So internationally, he gets the ball and he looks forward, right? And any time he got the ball when he when he started, he would get the ball and then instantly look to go back. And I, I just thought, no, that's not in his game. He's clearly been coached that or, or, or told that or something, you know? Um, but yeah, he, he came on for like six minutes on Friday night, you know, just to short things up defensively, but in terms of the actual game, you know, Newcastle actually scored first, went 1-0 up from a corner, then uh, Cancelo scored to make it 1-1, then Ferran Torres scored to make it 2-1, then there was a late dramatic penalty, which Joe Linton scored, so it was 2-2 at half-time, and then we had a mental four minutes, Willick scored, he missed a penalty but scored from the rebound, uh, to make it 3-2 to Newcastle, and then Ferran Torres scored his second and third of the night in the space of, like, 120-something seconds, uh, and City won the game 4-3. A, a great spectacle. Two teams who have nothing to play for anymore because City have already won the league. Newcastle are already safe. I think I think you just kind of love to see when two teams just go out and have a good game. Like, you know, you've got nothing else to play for, do you know what I mean? Just go out and enjoy yourselves. You absolutely do, and I really... You know, I love Ferran Torres after this game. I come away thinking, he's a young player who's exciting to watch. He's a young mm-hmm. player who scored a Mali Burroughs-esque goal for the first one. Do you oh, know, It was lovely. God. It was such a nice finish. He adjusted mm-hmm. his feet so well, you know, got there, hit the ball so weirdly in today's standard of the games, you know. Like, it was not clean in any way, but it was so clean at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was such a nice goal, uh, and Ferran Torres is good. Um Modern games is so much counter-attacking team, uh, team, so many counter-attacking teams means it doesn't always reflect how well a team is playing. Some teams are happy to defend. You're absolutely right, but very few teams do that well at the same yeah. time. Very few teams can win the league with 20% possession um, in every game. It's just not yeah. going to happen. Um, but yeah, Fern Torres, great player. If I was to pick a man of the match, which I'm not going to because I'd only ever pick one every night. You know, can't have too many players playing on a cold wet Tuesday night in Stoke if I was to pick one. Would probably be fair, so. And I think as well, I just need to mention again, Joe Willick um, scoring again, fifth game in a row now. 
Do I worry that we won't be able to buy him now because Arsenal will be asking for too high a price? Yeah, absolutely. I know that Joe Willock loves Newcastle. He said it time and time again that he loves being at the club. Feels really at home there. I think he's really enjoying that he's getting first-team football and having an impact, um, which is fantastic, obviously. And, uh, yeah, I just... I don't think we're going to get him now. I really don't. I think, I think Arsenal might keep him or they might ask for a higher price because... He's been playing too well for Arsenal to be like, yeah, you can have him for twenty million. We'll probably ask for at least forty. Well, they got rid of Iwobi for thirty million to Everton a few years back, and I was surprised by that because I thought they valued it will be quite highly. But I think mm. it all depends on what happens with Arteta. Arteta doesn't really seem to rate Willock too much, but he does at the same time. But I think he looks at the, the likes of Emil Smith Rowe and thinks that's what a, a number ten should be for a team like Arsenal. And you look at Joe Willock and you see technically how bad he is at times and how mm. his vision isn't always great, his passing isn't always great, his determination is work rate, superb, and he will get up and he will score a goal. You know, he missed the penalty because technically he's not that great mm. and he scored a rebound with it, which is fine. But I don't think he's of the calibre of Arsenal, but I would agree with you in that they probably will ask a ridiculous asking price because yeah. one, it's Arsenal, and two, he's a young English player. Yeah, it's it's a shame. It's almost a shame he's played as well as he has. Like selfishly, if he'd played well, but like not outstandingly, we probably would have had a chance of getting him. But I just don't know why. I just don't know. Um, but look, you know, the last six weeks we've seen a different Newcastle. Steve Bruce won manager of the month. People say the Newcastle fan base are toxic. I get that because. There is a lot of negativity in the Newcastle fan base. Obviously, as a Newcastle fan, I, I follow quite a lot of like Newcastle fans on Twitter and or fan accounts and things, and it is very negative. What I did see this week was on Thursday, these guys said, "You know what, Bruce deserved manager month last month, and uh, he, you know, we we had a great, we went unbeaten in April against teams that we shouldn't really have gone unbeaten against. So, like, Bruce deserves man- manager of the month." Because we had a great, we had a great month. Still won't burst out of the club. Still don't think he'll take us forward, which I, I agree with as well. I don't think he takes us forward, but what fair play. And then again on Friday night, I saw people saying, and I said as well, I would much rather lose a game four three, and I've really given it a go than lose a game one nil. Sit back, just kind of do what what a West Brom did against Liverpool today, kind of thing, um, to an extent, and and just kind of let it happen. So. I, I just I just want to say personally, like, just get it out there that personally, fair play to Steve Bruce. In the last six weeks, him and the coaching team have done a really great job. We've stayed up. We've got some really, really important results. Our last two games here against Sheffield and Fulham, hopefully we can get a couple of wins there and really put a great ending to our season. Because if, if that did happen, if, that, if we beat Sheffield and Fulham, We'd have only lost one of our last eight games. I think that would be really, really great. I think it would be a really great thing to end the season on. So that's that's my emotional Newcastle rant out of the way. But surely then that only means Steve Bruce is more likely to stay. Depends if we get new owners or not, but yes, there, there's that as well. Yeah, um, it's a tough balance. Yeah, it's weird. It's very similar to Tony Pulis at Stoke. Back when we yeah. got promoted and we spent a few seasons doing okay in the Premier League, we weren't playing nice football. And there was just a mutual agreement that he would go. You know, he was fine. And then when he left, Mark Hughes came in and we finished ninth three seasons in a row playing nice football. 
you know, Stoke Alona was the thing for a while when we had, you know, uh, more Champions League winners than the rest of the Premier League combined. At a stage, we were uh, we were playing nice football and it was good, but then ultimately it came crashing down. And so it's it's a tough balance in the Premier League of mm. do you want really nice football or do you want Premier League football? Both we want we want both we want the Leicester City but we can't mm-hmm. have. Yeah, but look, it's good that we're safe. Um, I think our our run. Of of those um, like five or six games unbeaten is what really kept us up, um, but absolutely. And Joe, speaking speaking of staying up and and people being safe and stuff like that, we'll only briefly touch on yesterday's football because my oh my, what an average day of football in the Premier League. Oh, right. It certainly wasn't a super Saturday. Like Leeds Burnley finished four nil, great. Leeds did a Leeds. Yeah, they'll probably lose 4-0 next weekend <laughs> I don't know who they play but that's just how they do things uh, Leeds played very well Burnley played very badly neither team had anything to play for Leeds had slightly more to play for because they're trying to finish in the top half that's that you know Rodrigo scored twice good for him um, it was a yeah, one-sided game Burnley should have scored a couple to be fair and didn't very well um, Southampton beat Fulham 3-1 is anyone surprised? No, <laughs> nobody's surprised. Fulham are terrible. Southampton are decent when they show up. Che Adams, happy for him. Glad he will get a chance, hopefully, in the Euros uh, to play well. Simon says, I hope next season we have a race for the title like we do now for top four. Couldn't agree more. I would love Same. to see the likes of a City, a United, a Chelsea, a Liverpool. I don't think Tottenham and Arsenal will be in that. They might nope. be. Maybe a Leicester. That would be nice to see them. There's five teams potentially we could race uh, for the title. It would be a lovely um, way to go, like in the Spanish League or in the French League at the moment. And then finally, last game last night was Brighton against West Ham, in which West Ham got a draw. Disappointing result for them. Really disappointing. I basically wrote them out of Champions League football. Yeah. Contention, I think. I don't think they have a chance now. I just saw an interesting point. Danny Welbeck is out of contract. Would you take him at Newcastle? I actually think I probably would. Um, because, I mean, he's, he scored an unbelievable goal against Leeds. <laughs> and he still has it. And like, so let's, so if Callum Wilson was injured, would I feel better about having Danny Welbeck up front than Joe Linton? Probably, yeah. What about Andy Carroll? I don't know. I, he needs to go. He need, he's a joke. He's a waste of space. Um, I, I, I think. For me, if if Danny Welbeck came to Newcastle, I would hope that it would be on a free if he was out of contract, because I'm, I wouldn't be paying an awful lot of money for him. I just think I think I think he'd be a good person to have in your squad. To be honest, good you know, player, good squad player. player, six goals this season, two assists in a bright team here, notoriously not good at scoring goals yeah they're known for you know wasting chances having high xg but not you know mm. having an actually high output and um, so i think danny Welbeck would do a job and i think brighton would be silly to let go of him i think him and lalana have looked decent together mm-hmm. neil mope just needs to get get firing and brighton um look decent enough i would like to see brighton do well next season brighton i think are one of those clubs that, that not many people dislike there's no real reason to dislike them by the same love to go see a game you know by the sea 
You know what? We, you know, if we, we, you know, if we, if we ever felt like doing like a, we, we went to all twenty Premier League clubs in a season. Uh, I mean, that would be very, very expensive. But also, Brighton would be nice. You know, you go down there, you get a wee chip, and then you, you go to the game, and you know, you hope for nice weather, and and you know, usually Brighton do have a lot of chances, so it could be an exciting game of football. Brighton never really play much boring football, so uh, let's do it. Look, let's let's yeah, go let's next do. year. Let's, let's go to Brighton. Brighton versus Newcastle. Um, yeah. And then we'll take in a stroke game for you. Do we have to watch Newcastle in every game? Is that the caveat? Is that we see <laughs> we see every team at their ground play against Newcastle? Because if so, I've suddenly changed my mind. And I'll... No, no. I was just thinking we could go to Brighton. We do one. You know, we do one game next season. We go Brighton Newcastle, but then we also do a stroke game. So then we both get our you know we both get our interest in. So you know, of course, that sounds like a great plan. I think what this weekend for me has highlighted because a lot of the games are a bit like. We just need to play these games out, basically. I'm just so looking forward to the Euros now. Like competitive international football. Oh, so good. Absolutely. It'd be nice. All. Like the again today, the first game today was Crystal Palace, Aston Villa. Aston Villa considered their descent into mediocrity without mm. Jack Greenish. Um, lost three two. Benteke, gotta give him credit, has looked really good these last this last month or so. Mm-hmm. It's it's looking more like the player that Liverpool originally signed off Aston Villa. Um he scored today his first goal against Aston Villa since leaving Aston Villa. Nice. So that was best. Uh, Eze looks in a phenomenal player. Wilfred Zat. It's a very Newcastle situation, isn't it, Crystal Palace? You look at Crystal Palace and you think they've got Benteke, Eze, and Wilfred Zaha up top, and their manager is Roy Hodgson. <laughs> But, but I feel like they overachieve. Like I feel like I feel like as a team, they're consistently staying up with with ease, and it's like you know they've 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 maintained that solidity. They, they weren't in a relegation fight this year. They were they never were really in consideration for relegation. And like but this year was a bit of an anomaly, though. Like, yeah. you know, as we mm. said, unprecedented times. times this oh. year there was three teams who looked like they were going down. Hmm. And yes, there was some mathematical concern, but all things it, it considered, it was three teams going down the whole season. Yeah. Crystal Palace should expect more, I think, having been in the Premier League consistently, having got players like that. Um, I think they should be doing better with those three up front and some decent enough players in other positions. I think their fans are clamouring probably for more. Speaking of Zaha, the question says, world class or not, should a top six team pick him up? In my mind, 100% yes. What do you think? Oh, I love this question because um, he... Uh, so, here, here's the thing. He doesn't carry Palace the same way that Grealish carries Villa or you know these, these players that are too good for their teams carry teams. I just, I just wonder, would Zaha play or perform to a higher standard if he's playing in a team with better players, you know, would would playing in a team with a with better supporting players uh, allow him to create more chances, score more chances, all that kind of thing? I think I do think it would be well worth a club picking him up. The issue is that Crystal Palace are putting far too high an asking price for him. That is the thing; he would be playing for Arsenal right now if if they weren't looking eighty million for him. Pepe would have never been signed, and I actually think he would do well at Arsenal. I, I think you he know, would. 
Because I, as I, I said earlier, the problem with Arsenal is they can't put the ball in the back of the net or they try to walk it in. I think Wilfred Zaha has the direct player. Um, mm. He's got 11 goals this season in the Premier League in 28 games. Good, good turnaround. Two yep. assists. Not bad. You look at Jack Grealish in four less games, has six goals. So he's not as much of a goal scorer, Jack Grealish, but 10 assists. I think different types of players. Zaha's changed this season to be with Eze there. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to do as much in terms yep. of creativity. Um, he can go a bit further forward, take more shots, take more risks in front of goal and try and score rather than create. And I think that's the main difference. You know, um, he had more assists in the past, um, in past seasons and with worse players. Now he's got better players around him. I think he's starting to show that he would be really good. Alan Arsenal, you know what, at Tottenham wouldn't be bad alongside Son and Kane. Imagine that as your front three. Yeah, I think... I think the one thing I will I will just quickly say about Grealish is he might not get that many goals and his assists might be like good but not fantastic. Grealish creates a lot of chances um, that the numbers don't include, right? So Grealish will have been the reason that a chance will have been set up for a goal to have been scored. So I think often Grealish rightly gets a lot of credit whenever stats don't appear great because he creates space, he takes a ball around players, he does things like that that not many players have. And he, he's so natural on the ball. He's so fluent on the ball, actually, Grealish. Zaha, I think, would do really... I think I think Arsenal's probably... Even now, Arsenal would be a great fit for Zaha. I just think in that yeah. in that rebuild... So let's, Arsenal next season are really going to have to rebuild, like properly rebuild, right? The project, you know, was supposed to be this year. I think you bring in Zaha in the summer at Arsenal, I really do think... And a couple, and maybe a couple other players. Man, I think I think it could be great. Dude, I think it'd be great. Sam says that I missed a chat about Liverpool's new striker. You must have done. Um, I mean, we we were saying that it's ironic that his uh, his goal rate is uh, better than the, the front three um, at the minute. Well, but, uh, feel free to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to hear the full okay. length discussion. Um, in full podcast form. And we have an intro out there today where we're discussing our thoughts on Wayne Rooney as a manager mm. for Derby County. Spoilers, I can't stand Derby County. And a wee outro, just get to know us a little bit more, so feel free to check us out on all those platforms. Oh, Give us a five-star review on Apple. And Sam, you're a good mate. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer in the podcast, you know, send them through Instagram, all that good stuff. And It'll help us out with the uh, with the intros and things. So it's all about getting you guys involved at the end of the day. Um, so just finally, the only thing I want to about to to end today's show is Tottenham Wolves two 0 mm-hmm. Harry Kane scored. Harry yep. Kane and Mo Salah are going head to head for a Golden Boot. Mm-hmm. Who do you think's going to get it? And how many goals do you think they're going to end up on? So let me let me just check. I'm gonna just check the fixtures here very quickly because I wanna I know that Liverpool play Burnley and Crystal Palace, which actually I I don't think favours Salah at all. Um because Liverpool don't tend to score lots of goals against the smaller teams. And I know that uh Salah scored today. Um let me see here because I I'd actually quite like to see who Spurs are playing. Well Spurs play, the season is against Leicester. They play Villa and Leicester. Ooh, I think I actually think I actually think they'll either both get one more 
each. Or one of them only gets one. I'm not, I'm not too sure if they'll score two. I don't know. I don't know. It's too hard. It's too. It's are they both? They're both in the same number of goals, right? They are both on twenty-two goals at the moment. Uh, so Salah they share has it? two more two more games, and uh, but Kane has thirteen assists while Salah has four. And so I believe Kane would win it based on fewer minutes played or fewer yeah. games played. Same actually minutes per goal exactly one hundred and thirty-two minutes each, and um, per goal, and um, a zero point six eight per ninety. Which I think has gone down significantly for Kane in the last few games. He hasn't mm-hmm. been scoring anywhere near as many goals, especially under Ryan Mason. Um, but I do back Kane to get it. I think he could end up getting a brace against Villa. They're the type of team he'd he'd happily score a brace yeah. or maybe even a hat trick. Um, whereas Salah, I, then against I could also see Salah scoring a hat trick against Burnley. It, it'll be an interesting um, thing to see what goes on unless bruno fernandez gets six penalties over the next week which also wouldn't surprise me so uh, i guess we'll see but tottenham got a comfortable enough victory in the end there was a couple of chances they should have scored and mm. um, ali and with his new Ronaldinho wild haircut his mop. Um, his mop is is phenomenal but uh they they played well all things considered tottenham looked a pretty solid side with hoiberg running the thing um, he was very good in midfield. Regulon had probably one of the best games he's played in a Spurs his, shirt. His recovery for the second goal that oh, was talk about else. class. Talk mm. about class. Um, Gareth Bale played well. Ali played well, and Son played well. Um, but one player I just want to end my my chatting about Tottenham Wolves on. One player I'd love to shout out is a Wolves player. Mm-hmm. Currently, they're number sixty. Came on for his debut today on the eighty-second minute. Theo uh, Corbinu, Corbinu, or Corbinu, or something like that. Theo Corbinu, um, a Canadian international, um, looks a really good player. He okay. looks a really solid player up the top. So look out for him over the years to come because I think he will do a job at Wolves and then hopefully, you know, maybe somewhere else. Not a Portuguese player. <laughs> I know what? that is a weird thing. Isn't That's it? so weird. Very strange, but <laughs> nice to see all the same. Um, he he looks a nice player. He hopefully will do well. It's just I hope he gets some games. You know, I think it's. Uh, I think I was just look. I just want to look at the Europa League quickly because obviously West Ham and Spurs are on the same number of points. Do sixth and seventh get in this year because Leicester won the FA Cup? Well, there's a debate. Who really knows? I think it'll mean that fifth and sixth might get in. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because somebody will go in the Europa Conference League. I think the League Cup is potentially Europa Conference League, maybe. No, Europa not Conference sure. League. So it is actually this season. Oh, my goodness. Who will qualify for Europa Conference League? Just one English team. The spot will either go to the winners of the Carabao Cup or if it's already qualified Champions League or Europa League to the 6th or 7th place in the Premier League. So, it'll go to 7th because City won the League Cup and Leicester won the FA Cup. So, 6th will get Europa League because Leicester will get will already get one of those places. Yeah. So, 
Interesting. Interesting. So West Ham, I mean, here's, so do you think if West Ham end up in that competition, that Europa Conference League, that they would actually be able to give it a good go? I don't see why not. Although I don't, I don't back them to be overly consistent going forward. If they lose Lingard, especially if he doesn't it's stay funny. very similar to Willick, except will probably cost way more than Willick mm. because you know it's United. Um, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, why not give it a go? Like see how it goes. Although who knows? Maybe they'll lose their last two games and drop off, and Everton or Arsenal could sneak in there. Well, I'm just looking. Everton have just lost one 0 to Sheffield United. So, wow. at the minute, West Ham and Spurs have the same number of points, and fifty nine, Everton are fifty six. Yeah. Um, we go into the uh, game. Pardon? Do you have the table there? Do you want to stick it on the screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll do that now. Um, sorry. Uh, one second. Just let me just get this sorted out. Thank you, Joe. What a guy! What a guy you are. There you go. Lovely. So, Look at that. Very close between. Um, fifth, really, this, this is what we're interested in here. Really, is third because you've got this race here between these three teams, uh, and then you've got the sixth, seventh, eighth battle. I think you yeah, are so too far out, really. Um, so yeah, it's interesting because like Spurs have a tough game against Leicester in the final day of the season, which Leicester might have to win to get Champions League, yeah. So it's going to be really, really interesting. I think it's good that we at least have something to look forward to the last game of the season because it would have been pretty crap if you had everything sorted get going into the last two games of the season whenever fans were allowed back and all that stuff. You know, At least, at least there's something to play for. Absolutely. Um, it's nice to see. Um, but, you know, Liverpool have been in a great run. You know, they're unbeaten in their last, I think it's even more than five, good number of games anyway. Um but yeah, I think so. United have definitely secured top four. Um, but this this wee battle here, Leicester, said Chelsea, and Liverpool is going to be mental. And then this Tottenham, West Ham, Everton battle. So stay tuned for that. Obviously, when we when we go live on Wednesday, we're going to go live on Wednesday night. There will everybody will have played their thirty seventh game. So we'll have yep. even more to talk about going into the final day and what the really really our podcast on Wednesday is going to be all about what. Teams need for results Sunday, all the ramifications on what how they do all that stuff. Absolutely. Well, Joe, thank you so much for tonight's show. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, it's been great. It's been great. Um, it's one of those. It's one of those things where like, their stuff's happened, and. But there's been a lot of filler, you know. There's been a lot of filler in there as well. So, you know, I'm glad we're able to get a good show out of it, a good hour-long show. And uh, for those listening to the podcast, you know, hopefully, um, you're able to get everything from the audio and not just, you know, because obviously a lot of the show's visual when you're watching live. But um, that no, was great, great again to be on, and uh, we're back again at a quarter past ten, I think, on Wednesday night. Also, I, that I, I forgot to post that we're going live tonight, so. Well done, me. Um, <laughs> well, a bit late for that. But hey, let's come back on the podcast, everyone. Please. Yeah. But uh, yes, thank you so much for joining me. And um, look, and have a good week, mate. And see you on Wednesday night. You've frozen on me, but that's, that's grand. 
Um, you're back now. I just said thank you very much for joining me. Clearly, I didn't want to hear it. No, you don't like me enough. But uh, no. yes, thank you so much. Uh, have a good week. And uh, we will see you in three days. See Bye. you then.